Hey everyone, welcome back to the Darkness Inside podcast. Today I am bringing you episode 23, and since it's still February, and people out there are planning Valentine's Day dates for the person they love, and love is in the air, and all you see in the stores are hearts everywhere, um, sometimes love can be taken to the extreme. The case I am bringing you today is about just that. Um, I'm going to be telling you about Jody. Arias and the murder of Travis Alexander. This case was highly publicized and was covered by a lot of media, so it gained a lot of media attention. So Jody Arias just didn't look like a killer, you know. She looked like a model, she was pretty and stuff like that. Uh, especially having committed such a gruesome murder. But love or the idea of love can just cause some people to do unexplainable things. So let's talk a little bit about Jody's background. Her full name is uh, Jody Ann Arias. She was born July 9th, 1980 in Salinas, California, which is up north. Uh, it's about almost, I guess, five hours away uh, from LA. It's near Monterey and all that stuff and all those places, I mean. Uh, her parents' name are William, Angelo, and Sandy Arias. She had one uh, older half-sister, one younger sister, and she had two younger brothers also. Her family was a very middle-class family, and she started claiming during the trial that her parents started abusing her from the age of seven, that they used to beat her with a belt and a wooden spoon. Her parents deny these allegations and don't know why she kept saying those things about them. So Jody Arias took a liking to photography when she was 10 years old and eventually it would turn into a passion and she would uh, take up some like professional jobs like here and there when, once she got older. She did drop out of high school in the 11th grade but would later obtain her GED. Her parents say that Jody always had a boyfriend. She was always with a boy. She was kind of just boy crazy. In 2001, uh, she started working as a server in a California restaurant located at Ventana Inn and Spa in Carmel, California. This is where she would meet Daryl Brewer, who she started dating in 2003. They would both buy a house in California's Palm Desert. They would each pay $2,800 for mortgage. So in total, the mortgage for this house was $5,600. So that was a lot of money for a house, and soon this would take a toll on Jody. She started working for a company called Prepaid Legal Services, which is literally like one of those uh, pyramid scheme um, companies. This is where she would eventually meet Travis Alexander, because he also worked for that company. So she would end up breaking up with Daryl Brewer, but it was an amicable um, breakup because they actually stayed friends. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about Travis Victor Alexander, who was born July 28, uh, 1977 in Riverside, California, to Gary Alexander and Pamela Morgan. So Travis had a rough start to life because his parents were drug addicts and he had seven siblings. His dad died in his dad died in July of 1997. And this is when um, his paternal grandparents took him in and his seven, his seven siblings uh, to live with them. 
Travis was only 10 at the time, and this is when he would start getting involved in the Mormon church because his grandparents were Mormon, uh, but he actually loved it and found a lot of comfort in it. He even did a two-year mission trip with the Mormon church. Travis was a salesman and motivational speaker, and he also worked with the prepaid legal services company, but he actually was doing really good and made a good, affordable living. This is where he would meet Jody Arias on September of 2006 at a business convention in Las Vegas. Jody and Travis's relationship was really intense from the beginning. They really enjoyed being together and due to work they traveled together a lot. Their relationship was also very sexual. This is a part that Travis kept hidden from family and friends. Since he was Mormon, he was supposed to find a Mormon girl and also save himself for marriage. So it is said that Travis did hold a lot of guilt over this because he was having premar- premarital sex. But him and Jody had a very sexual relationship. In November, just two months after they had met, Jody actually baptized herself into the Mormon church. He would tell friends that he actually saw her as a potential wife. Friends of Travis's uh, described their relationship as a potent chemistry. So the two of them had a sort of a long distance relationship because Travis lived in Arizona and Jody lived in California. But the two would take turns visiting each other. They would eventually break up in the summer of 2007. And this just threw Jody into a jealous rage when she found out that Travis had started dating other women. They had only dated for five months, but those five months had been intense. In the documentary that I watched about this case, it said it, um, they explained how in those five months, Jody and Travis had exchanged about 82,000 emails. That's such an immense amount of emails uh, for five months. Even though the two had broken up, Jody moved to Mesa, Arizona. And they did keep seeing each other. In my opinion, this relationship was more like a friends with benefits relationship. Jody believed that if she gave Travis uh, sex, that he would eventually, like you know, fall in love with her or whatever. Travis would bring up, bring it up to his friends that he thought Jody was actually stalking him, and even said to them. Don't be uh, surprised if I don't show up on a Sunday. Friends of Travis would say that she became very obsessive. She would follow him to the bathroom and wait outside the door for him. She would eavesdrop on his phone calls and even forward his emails to herself. She would show up to his house without him knowing because she knew the code to get into his home. Travis even confessed to them that one time she had snuck into his home through the doggy door. That's just a little too much right there. Imagine someone coming through your door, through your doggy door. She would eventually move back to Eureka, California, into her grandparents' home. So let's go to the day uh, when Travis, Travis's dead body was found. So Travis was gonna, uh, gonna go on this work trip to Mexico. Initially, he was supposed to go with Jody, but since they broke up, uh, he was gonna be taking this new girl that he was dating. Her name was Mimi Hall. 
She uh, had been concerned because she had not heard from Travis five days prior to the trip of Mexico. Uh, so you would think since they're traveling together that they would be in constant uh, communication over like where would they meet and stuff like that. She started getting even more worried when she had not heard from him the night before the trip. So on June 9th, Mimi and some of his friends would go check on him, but no one answered the door. It's weird because his roommate, Enrique, uh, was actually in the apartment, but he said that the reason he didn't answer the door was because he was watching a movie. Everyone who has researched this case just finds this part of the story really strange. Especially since the moment the friends walked into the apartment, they could smell something really bad. So how could his roommate, who lives there, they just asked them, they asked themselves, like, how did he not smell that, you know, uh, well, the decomposing body of, of Travis. Zach and Enrique, who were both of his roommates, had not seen him in a week. But they just thought that he had already left for his trip to Mexico. Travis's room was locked, but when his friends opened the door, they would find his bloody body uh, in the bathroom. They found him in this kind of a fetal position, uh, and they would call 911. And you can actually go on YouTube uh, and listen to this 911 call. His friends all just sound really shocked and surprised and can't believe that his friend that their friend is dead. Uh, when the 911 operator asks them if they know of anyone that would want to kill him and stuff like that, they immediately immediately say Jody's name. Uh, you can hear this in the 911 call. When investigators did the autopsy, it shows that Travis had been stabbed about 27 times or even more uh it ranges from 27 to 30 times his throat had been slit to the point where he was almost decapitated his voice box and arteries had been cut through and he had been shot in the head with a 25 caliber gun a week before his murder it is believed jody staged a burglary in her grandparents home where a 25 caliber gun had been stolen the same one that had been used on Travis because they found the shell casing so it matched the, that it was a 25 caliber gun. Uh, so Jody's alibi is that during this time she had been on a road trip, that she had rented a car in Redding, California. On June 2nd, uh, 2008, she drove south to visit, visit some friends and by June 3rd she would drive to Travis's home. But she would constantly say that she went nowhere near his house that the last time that she had seen him was uh, April of 2008. In Travis's home, there had been no signs of forced entry and it seemed like the bathroom had been tried, uh, had been cleaned, but they didn't do a good job at it and that his body had been cleaned as well. His bed had been stripped and the bed sheets had been found in the washer along with a digital camera. Apparently, she thought that the camera would get ruined in the washer, and it did because it didn't turn on, but the SD card did not get ruined. So when investigators got a hold of the SD card, they found pictures of them having sex on June 4th, the day he had been killed. The last picture of Travis alive was of him naked in the shower. This has become a very infamous picture 
because of the way he's looking straight into the camera i'm telling you guys this is an eerie picture uh it's you can honestly find it on the internet uh like i wonder if he knew what was gonna happen to him or did she just catch him off guard there's there in the sd card there was also pictures of him bleeding on the bathroom floor with blood gushing from his throat i've seen these pictures of the of the crime scene um and of his dead body and if you don't have the stomach for these kinds of things please don't see them because they are really uh gruesome and just disturbing what's crazy is that six hours after he had died she left a voicemail on his phone pretending that she was nowhere near him and didn't know what had just happened to him in the bathroom there was a bloody palm print that contained dna from both jody and travis on july 9th 2008 she was charged with first degree murder and on july 15 she was arrested in her per- in her police interrogations she says that she's not guilty and she constantly says this that she is not guilty jody also claimed that she was the one that had broken up with travis because he was a sexual deviant who physically and sexually abused her in the interrogation she would come up with the story that two intruders had broken into the home murdered him and then assaulted her and had just let her go kind of like spared her life she would be extradited to arizona on september 5th and she would plead not guilty on september 11th it wouldn't be until two years later that she would say that she had killed him but that it had been in self-defense she says travis invited her over to his home to have sex but that he turned violent and she had to fight for her life and this is when she ended up killing him on December 10th, 2012, the trial would start in Maricopa County Superior Court. It would be on May 8th, uh, 2013 that she would be found uh, guilty and convicted of first-degree murder. The jury was having a really hard time coming to a decision between either the death penalty or a life term. On April 13, 2015, she would be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She is held in maximum security as a high-risk level 5 prisoner in the Arizona State Prison Complex. Prosecutors says, say that she had killed Travis Alexander in the jealous rage. This is a crazy case and it's just crazy uh, what some people do when they are in love or they think they are let me know what you guys think about this case because this case uh by the way she killed him uh it was you know she just had become obsessed with him and she couldn't bear that he was she couldn't take it that he had kind of like moved on and was trying to see other women yeah just let me know what you guys think about this case uh there's so many documentaries about this case like i said um it was a very highly publicized case uh there's documentaries the 911 calls on youtube pictures his last picture alive uh also is on google you can just look it up uh the police interrogations are also on youtube those are really bizarre because she just behaves really weird and she starts singing also which which is weird um 
so yeah just let me know what you guys think uh follow me on instagram to stay updated on cases or interact with me or recommendations are always welcomed um if you listen on spotify or apple podcast i would highly appreciate it if you rate the podcast that would really help uh just keep spreading the word guys about this podcast uh thank you for listening and supporting see you in the next episode stay safe and remember beware of the darkness inside